Amen. Because uh, what an amazing thing it is, this freedom that you and I enjoy. Hello. Amen. You know, uh, uh, it's just, uh, there's so much stuff that, that has occurred that none of us know anything about. And we just need to be grateful for people who are willing to put their life on the line. Amen. And so, uh, again, we just say thank you. If you're here tonight and you don't own a Bible, if you hold your hand up, our ushers will bring one to you. It's our gift to you. We want to make sure everybody has a copy of the Word of God. And, guys, get into the Word of God every single day. Every day. Say every day. Every day. Amen. Man, that was pretty good right there. That was pretty good. I'm liking this group. Okay. Every day, you got to, you know, and, and there's great spiritual disciplines, you know, reading. There's programs that you can get, help you read through the Bible in a year. That's good. Uh, you know, reading a chapter or two at a time, that's great. But I want to really just, con- and I'm always going to encourage you to do this because this is, it just proves to be in, incredibly effective if you'll take a verse or two and just begin to weave it into the very fabric of your being. Sometimes you'll spend a couple of days on one verse. Sometimes it's a couple of months on one verse. And just, just getting it down on the inside of you until it actually starts talking back. Till, it, till you can feel it, you know, bringing life to you. Uh, you know, Proverbs 4 uh, says, My son, hearken unto my words, and let them not depart from thine eyes, for they are life to those that find them, health and healing to all your flesh. And when that, when that sinks inside of you and, and that begins to speak life to you, you can be, uh, you know, you, you can be diagnosed with all kinds of stuff. But God's word is medicine that brings health to your body. And when that comes alive on the inside of you, it begins to, to, to bring health and strength and life. And, and, you know, whatever the situation you're in, find the word that you, can, that you can just meditate. You can read it and repeat it and read it and repeat it and read it and repeat it and read it and repeat it. And watch your strength level elevate. Amen? And I'm telling you, God's word, it has the power not to change a couple things. It has the power to change everything. And, you know, it's really great that we, you know, uh, we can get a T-shirt and we, we can run around with a bumper sticker. But until we get this on the inside of us, it doesn't have the potential to, to, to produce like it does once we get it. And once you have a word from God, and you get a word from God, ain't nobody going to, you know, they're just not going to talk you out of it. You know, because, you, you know, remember, remember when you were a kid and, and, and mom or dad, they promised you something and the siblings weren't buying in, but it didn't make any difference because you had a promise from, from mom. You had heard her say it with her own lips. And that's what I'm talking about is, is getting a word that you have heard the voice behind the word and you know that God has spoken to you. You know that he has breathed life into that word. It's gone, it's gone from the logos, and now it is a rhema, right? And he has breathed upon it, and it is alive in you and strong. And, and you know, the enemy, he, he, what the enemy intends to do is to talk you out of what God's trying to talk you into. And God's, God's trying to speak his word into you, and the enemy's trying, well, I think it's his job. I think Jesus said, the sower sows the seed, the seed's the word of God, and immediately the enemy comes, the thief comes to try to take the seed. That's his job, to try to get it. And so your greatest satanic opposition will always come after your freshest revelation. So God will begin to speak to you, and you'll begin to latch on to it, and the enemy will come see if he can talk you out of that. 
Because he doesn't want you getting any, any new idea. He doesn't want you to have any mind renewal. He doesn't want you to get anything that you could actually use to demonstrate his defeat. So he'll try to use sense and reason to talk you out of what God's attempting to talk you into. See, because God's plan, God's, God's motivation is to bless you. Jesus said in John 10, he said, hey, the thief, he's trying to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come, and this is my purpose, that you might have and enjoy life in abundance to the top till it overflows. Life, zoe, Z-O-E. It's the Greek word. It's life as God has it. It, it is a, it's, it's not a different level of your life. It's a different life altogether. Okay? It, it, it is life everlasting. Everybody, everybody's, you know, believing God for eternal life. Eternal life. And, and what, you're, what you're believing for is zoe. Okay? Zoe. And it's important to get this because a lot of people think eternal life is going to start when you're dead. Right? So to really kick into eternal life, all I got to do is die. And then I'm going to have eternal life. No, eternal life don't start when you die. It starts when you're born again. And, and it's an empowerment, man. I'm telling you what, it's, it's a different... It's, it's different type of life altogether. It's more life than death. It's not the absence of death. It's just you have more life than death. It's more joy than sorrow, more peace than chaos, more hope than despair, more provision than lack, more healing than sickness. Again, it's it's not like everything's cut off. There's no more bad days. No, that's what we told you to get you saved. Now, Now we're at full disclosure weekend. And we're telling you that to, to, you know, in this world, there's going to be some tribulation, but be of good cheer because we've overcome all of that. See, we have, we have more life than death and, and we have resurrection life so that when death shows up and literally wears itself out, life stands back up again. And, and that life eternal, if you think about it, eternal life, it would be God's life without interruption, You with me? Okay. Life without interruption. So in other words, see, the, the word interrupt literally means to break a flow in the continuity of a course or a plan. So w- what the enemy would like to do, because you set out on a course, you are following a plan because Jeremiah 29 11 says that I know the plan that I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future God's plan and what the Emmy would like to do is, is to break the continuity or 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 put it this way he would like to stop your ability to continue in the plan that God has so he attempts to interrupt what God has started See, he'd like to introduce an interruption. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you breaking news. And most of the time when that happens, it ain't good. Right? Because we're not going to interrupt, you, you know, the voice to tell you something good. We interrupt to bring you something bad. To capture your imagination. To get you to focus on something other than that which you had previously focused upon. That's the enemy's tactic, to bring an interruption, to cause you to, to cease, to, to get you to, to back off, to get you to cave in, to give up and to quit. Look at somebody and tell them, I ain't no quitter. Mm-mm. 
No, because God, you know what, uh, uh, before he started shaping me, he knew where I was going to fit. See, Jeremiah 1.5 says that before, before I formed you, I knew you. I didn't just make you and then find a place for you. I had a place, and I made you to fit it. Oh, you, you, got, you got to get this, guys, because uh, uh, God has a place that he has, uh, he, he has shaped you to fit it, and, and you're here on purpose. You, ain't no mistake. There, there's no happenstance involved here. God knows what he's doing with you, in you, through you, for you, amongst you, and by you. He, he is not mistaken. He is not confused. He is, he is not, he is, he, you know, he, he's, he's not depressed. He doesn't look at you and go, oh, there's that one. No. Uh, see, uh, the enemy wants you to think that little things that you've encountered in life have the ability to disrupt the purpose for which you were created. And I'm here tonight to tell you that the life that Jesus came to connect you to is a life that can literally exist uninterrupted. Now, I'm not saying that you ain't ever going to have a problem. I promise you, you're going to have some. You, some of you might have some before service is over. Right? Because that's just one of my giftings. But you can have a life that is bigger than the challenge. Matter of fact, let let me rephrase that because that's really not exactly true. You have life that is bigger than your challenge. I said you have life that is bigger than your circumstance. Hello? Hello? And, and, and what God's doing is, is he, he's, he's causing you to have breakthrough moments that, that position you for lasting life change. Okay? The thing that he's working in you is, is, is the ability to not have a, a moment of, of relief, but to have a, a powerful existence that you would be positioned to win and succeed regardless of the situation. See, God's plan is to bless you. And the word bless, it doesn't mean that he's going he's gonna to send you know, a lottery ticket your way. It doesn't mean that everything's you know, going to get a bigger house or a new promotion. That might be a byproduct of the blessing, but to be blessed, the word means to be positioned to win or succeed regardless of the circumstance. See, God wants to position you to win or succeed. What we have to do is decide. We have to choose, am I going to believe God or am I going to believe something else? Am I going to stand on the word or am I going to be shaking because of the world? Where am I going to fit? See, what am I going to connect to? And that kind of brings us to these three chairs. And as we it launched last week, and we're just going to continue for a while as we talk about these chairs, because this, this first chair is a chair of commitment, man. First chair living, first chair believer, first chair mindset is committed, and, and, and it's a life that is shaped by the Word of God. It's not, it's not influenced, it's shaped, it's directed. It, it is molded and formed by the Word of God. And, and if you ain't got no Word in you, you have, you have to embrace the reality that you're not really living first chair. See, th- this, is, this is what Paul would have referred to as the spirit man. You know, second chair is what Paul would have called the carnal man. And, and the third chair is what Paul would have referred to as the natural man. 
See, we're all, we all have sat in this chair. We're all, you know, we've had natural man existence, but then we've received newness of life in Christ. And a lot of us think that that immediately caused us to be moved, you know, and, and elevated to the first chair. But all that did is get us in the second chair. See, because in the second chair, I, I, I have received newness of life, but I have not yet made a decision as to how much or how little I'm going to follow Christ. See, uh, what we want to do is bring great clarity to exactly where we are located. Where am I in every area of life in, in relationship with God? Because in order to get to a specific destination, it's important that I first understand and acknowledge where my starting point's at. See, if, if, I, if I allow myself to think I'm starting at this point and traveling to that point, but if that's not the point I'm starting at, the directions that I get might not make any sense. If I think the way to, to, my, to my destiny is, is west, but I'm located off the map, and really i got to go east, then when I'm receiving direction, I struggle with it because, it, well, that's the wrong way. That's not where I am. And a lot of us have deceived ourselves into believing that we are a first chair you know, believer. And, and, and you, are we okay? I'm not trying. I don't want There's no condemnation. All there has to be is revelation so that we can have transformation, right? And we, we have to recognize where we're at. Listen, God's purpose is to bless you, to position you to win or succeed. But he, he, he blesses one way. It's with his word. You know, when, when, when he took Adam and Eve and he put them, it's called the law of first mention, and he put them in the garden and, and he blessed them and said, so now I know how God blesses because I go back to the law of first mention, God blessed them and he said, so what God says has the power to position you. See, God's word, when he hit that word, can position you to win or succeed in any given situation, but I have, to, I have to have the ability to hear and to receive the word and, and to not assume that, he, well, he must be talking to somebody else. You know, isn't it weird that there's a lot of people that have been in church their entire life and they've never heard a message that actually applied to them? We mail a lot of CDs and we, we send links. You should listen to this one. We know exactly who should be here. But here's God who's in charge and, and he knows all things and he's brought us together and he had a purpose, but it probably wasn't to give you information to share with somebody. It might be that he's actually talking to you. Look at somebody say, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> it's just easier to think God's talking to you. Yeah, but you don't understand the things I'm dealing with, the challenges that have come up against me, the, the decisions that have been made that, that, that are not in my favor. But wait a minute, you have to choose to believe God or not. According to Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. 
Well, if all things work together for good for those who love him and who are called, it's important that one, we love him, and two, that we understand we're called. That way everything can work together for my good. And if everything's working together for my good, what would I have to complain about? What would I have to worry about? What would I have to fear about? Well, all things work together for good because I, 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 I love God and I'm called. See, the, uh, the guy in the second chair, he, he loves God. He is very, to be honest with you, he cares greatly about what God would like to do. The problem is, is that he's probably going to do what he wants to do, not what God wants. Because he struggles, see, we struggle. In this third chair of complacency where we're at conflict, none of us would want to admit that we are in conflict with God, yet all of us have areas where we are very complacent and in conflict with God. All we need to do is allow God to show us so that we can change it. See, we're one decision away from taking a step that will reposition us. And if we could reposition ourselves in certain areas of our life, our life's going to get better. See, the, the, the deal is, is that in this chair is, is you know, conflict and, and complacency. And in the chair of compromise, that's another word. You know, if we had three T-shirts committed, compromise, and, and, and conflict, let me tell you which ones would be the hot sellers. Committed's going on. Man, we're we going to sell those. Compromised is probably not one everybody's going to jump into because it doesn't sound good. We struggle. Why do we struggle? Because we really feel committed. And in reality, we are. In, in reality, we could call the second chair, even though we called the first chair you know, committed, we actually could call the second chair committed. It's just in chair one, he's committed to God. And in chair two, we're committed to ourself. So our commitments are competing. We have competing commitments. So when we're challenged, are you committed? Yes. Mainly to me. And what's crazy is that we live in a society that's good with that. That's fine. That's acceptable. Because it makes sense. It's reasonable. Because, you know, the last thing you want to do is become, like, fanatical. You know, I heard years ago, the definition of a fanatic is simply someone who loves God more than you. <laughs> you know, I don't, don't want to be weird or nothing. You know, and, and, and you know, uh, it just only makes sense that, that even though, you know, there are certain things that seem clear in the Bible, it is an old book. And society, and, and you think about all of the different things that just don't fit, and if we took that stand, and, 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 and that actually sounds offensive. And I, I just don't think that God would want us to be offensive. Just make sure that you are not being a sissy. Just make certain that you realize that if God is in charge of my life, what makes sense to me doesn't make a difference 
to him. And that was, I think you should tweet that. I think that's tweetable. 1 Corinthians 2, I'm giving you a lot of scripture and they're not putting them up and that's on purpose because I really like it when you actually have to use your Bible. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 says that no eye hath seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered the heart of any man. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. You, 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 no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered the heart of any man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Remember that all things are working together for good for those who love him and, and who are living called. Uh, and, and now we, 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 we have this verse that's telling us that, man, you can't even imagine the, the great things, the good things, the, the, the incredible work that God has prepared, made ready in advance for you when, when you love him. But it goes on in the next verse, and it says, but all of these things are, are, are revealed to us by the Spirit. See, the, the, the natural man has a little trouble. See, the natural man has a little trouble because he can't, he can't grasp the things of the Spirit. You, you need to go and, and this week read 2 Corinthians, uh, you know, or 1 Corinthians 2 and, and read, read this whole thing. Uh, but, but the natural man, uh, well, look at verse 14. I think I gave you that one, right? Second, yeah, uh, yeah, 2.14, and this is the New Living Translation. People who aren't spiritual can't receive truths from God's Spirit. It sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. So if you can't, this is just a little nugget for you. Stop arguing spiritual things with people who are not spiritual. You can't win an argument with someone about a spiritual matter if that person is not born of the Spirit. Because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit, neither can he. So uh, uh, it, 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 it's just important that you understand this, that the, the natural man receiveth not. Now the spirit man, because when you're born again, your spirit's born again, and it's alive, and you can sit in this chair and understand things, but then you begin to apply human reasoning to what God's saying and how God's directing, and it's just easier to, to hang out in this chair because, you know, over here, our, our life is shaped by Scripture, but over here, our, our life is, is, is shaped by well, comparison. We compare ourselves to others. And as long, you, you, know, you know what the number one thing, and, and, and I can say this with great ease because it's exactly what I have said and will say again probably. But, uh, you know, when you sit in this chair, you automatically say, well, I'm a lot better than those guys. Huh? Because those guys, they don't even know God. Lost people. Lost people. And here, it's easy to find someone who's seated near this vicinity that I actually feel I'm doing better than them too. So there's no real need to like get up and move. When I'm shining so brightly here, is you know, I might shout during worship, which will overshadow 
the fact that I'm disobedient to God over there. No one will notice because I fit in so well. Isn't that kind of scary that we can fit into a Christian society without actually obeying God? It's kind of odd. It's just confusing. James 1, verse 21, says, Lay apart all filthiness and the superfluity of naughtiness. Now that is a cool phrase. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and the superfluity of naughtiness. I think you should say that with me. The superfluity of naughtiness. Say it again. Superfluity of naughtiness. Now, if that don't sound spiritual, ain't nothing going to be spiritual at all. I mean, that's just a cool phrase. Just fling that around this week. Oh, the superfluity of naughtiness is in the house. You know, it just rolls off of your tongue. You know, uh, uh, the superfluity of naughtiness. I wonder who gets to decide how to define that. Chair one, God decides. Chair two, Christians decide. Chair three, who cares? Society decides. I'm supposed to lay apart something from my life that sounds naughty, but I don't want the Bible to define what that would be. Should we look at the rest of the verse and receive with meekness, receive with meekness, receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, the engrafted word of God. To receive with meekness is not a timid, weak spirit. It's a teachable attitude. To receive with a teachable attitude the word of God, which has the power to save your soul. Your soul is the way you think, the way you feel, the way you make your choices. So if God's word would be received by us, it would change the way we think, which would change the way we feel, which would change the choices we make, which would change the actions that we perform, which would change the habits we create, which would change the character that we possess, which would change the result that we experience. But we'd have to first receive the word of God. I'd drop my book right there, too. We'd have to receive the Word of God, like what God's Word says, and we'd have to actually say, okay, I'm going to receive it. Look, look at the next verse. It's even worse. But be a doer of the Word. So when God's speaking, now there's something to do because it's given. It, it, you know, in the Old Testament, it was hear and do, hear and do. It, by the time we get to the New Testament, there's an assumption made that if you hear God, you'll actually do what He said. You and I are under the impression that if we hear God, we'll know what He's going to do. But when you hear God, you know now what you are going to do. Another tweetable moment. 
provided to you by me. Okay. Be a doer of the word, not a hearer only, because if all you do is hear, you could actually sit here and deceive yourself. Next verse. A hearer of the word that is not a doer of the word is like a man that looks into a mirror. Next verse. And beholding himself goes away and forgets. This is like having children. Is it not? This is something that we all got very good grades in. Forgetting things. Did you do that? No, I thought I told you to. I forgot. Some of you are going, wow. Like we've never heard that before. So a man, I mean, get this, grasp this, understand this, wrap your brain around this. God's saying, you know how I look at people who have heard the word but aren't doing the word, but relying on the justification of, oh, I forgot. He walks away and forgets. Verse 25. But the guy that looks into the law of liberty and continues. No interruption. No interruption. No interruption. You have to understand that the enemy's strategy is to find a way to introduce interruption. But if he continues and he's not a forgetful hearer but a doer, that man, he's going to be positioned to win. See, a lot of us have been repositioned by circumstances and situations. And we had a moment of of uh, it could have been, you know, great, you know, just thankfulness, you know, just a moment when, oh my God, he's so good. It could, it could have been deeply felt crisis that moved us to reach for God, to press to God, to say, I'm coming after you, God. You know, it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not going to sit in, in a place of compromise, God. I'm with you. I'm all in. But, but, and we move ourselves to a first chair relationship with God, but life comes, life happens. Things get more difficult. The, what we consider the blessing, you know, the, the peace and the prosperity seems to be challenged by problems and we find ourselves moving back to a place of compromise because it's easier it's easier to hang out here man you know we 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 like it when things feel good we like it when when people are cheering us on we like it we like it when uh let's get real when when finances are flowing i like it but what if obeying God cost us something? Put your entire trust in the Master Jesus, Acts 16, 31, in the message. Put your entire trust in the Master Jesus, and you will live the life you are meant to, and your whole house too. King James says that if you call on the Lord, you will be saved, you and your whole house. 
And we're believing God for household salvation. Hello, somebody. I'm believing God for household salvation, even for people who ain't believing God for it. I want to see households saved. I'm believing God for your unsaved family member to have a collision with God that changes them so radically that they become the person that you wish you were. I'm, I'm going to stand on the promise because, you know, the Word of God says that if we ask anything according to His will, we know that He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know that we have the petition that we desired of Him. If we ask anything according to His will, well, obviously this is His will because He said if I put my entire trust in the Master Jesus, I would live the life I meant to and my whole house too. So household salvation is in the will of God. So I'm going to ask God for household salvation, which is in His will. And since it's in His will, then I know He hears me. If I know He hears me, then I know I'm going to give it, but then they get out of bed. But then they challenge the environment. And I'm repositioned. When it begins to cost me, when it puts a demand on my life, when it begins to change the decisions that I desire to make. Because there's this thing called the Spirit. This person that have given access to your heart and mind doesn't let you do what you want to do. When he begins to Suggest to convict is easier to move to a place of comfort. I thought commitment would be far from conflict. I thought when I was committed to God, He'd make everything easier. No, he likes to make impossible things possible. He likes to strengthen things that are weak. He likes to restore things that are broken. He likes to pick up pieces that were thrown away and bring them back and replace them. See, if you go to John 8, 31, it says, if you continue, if you can reject the interruptions, if you continue in my word. See, a lot of us continue what we were doing before he spoke. And we're asking him to change the result that our doing previously produced. But he said, if you continue in my word, now you're a follower. And, 31 or 32, and you're, you're going to know the truth, 
and the truth, revelation, insight, the discernment, you'll rid yourself of the deception, and that truth will actually introduce a new power to you called freedom. The truth will introduce freedom. And look at verse 33. This is so crazy because uh, they answered him. They're talking to Jesus, and they said, Who do you think you're talking to? We're Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage. How could you say that we'd be made free? And verse 34, Jesus picks it back up, and he says, I'm telling you that whosoever commits sin is a servant of sin. Verse 35 said, uh, the servant abides not in the house forever, but a son. Check this out. You got to get this because here's the number one thing that you got to get. You got to get this. You got to see it, that if you can't see your bondage, you're never going to see your freedom. If you can't see where you are, you're never going to see where you could be. You have to embrace where you are so you can get to where God's taking you. I'm telling you that God ain't trying to whack you with a stick. He's trying to elevate you to a place of incredible freedom. Man, he's going to position you to win and succeed, but he ain't going to do it your way. He's going to do it his way. And there's a reason. He's God. You're not. Okay? But, but check it out. He said a servant, he, he doesn't abide in the house forever. Well, once he get booted out? No, a servant comes in and, 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 and he goes out. You know, he comes in in the morning, he does his job, and he goes out at the end of his shift. But a son, man, he, he's got 24-7 access in the house. See, let, 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 me just, let, let me just share this with you tonight. Okay, let's just get to here. That a servant has a time clock mindset. Clock in, clock out. I do my service, I get on with my life. It's odd how many Christians... don't recognize that Christianity is not a part-time gig. Clock in, clock out. Sing some songs, give an offering, pray a prayer, and then get back to the real world. And we paralyze our Christianity because we live like a servant, not like a son. Because a son don't make no difference where I am. I am who I am. Don't do life out of a chest of drawers. I don't have a drawer for my work life, drawer for my church life, drawer for my biker life, drawer for my private life. No, I am who I am. I'm whole no matter where I am. See, there's a freedom that God wants to bring you to where you are who you are no matter where you are because who 
has been set free by the Son. He's free indeed. He's free. See, see the, the enemy does not want you to understand that Christianity is not intended. Jesus did not come that you might have church. That seems like a strange thing to hear in church. This isn't where it all takes place. This is the locker room where we can learn the strategies and, 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 and heal up from, man, I got hammered on that last play. Well, we can get it taped up and go back out to the field because he came that we might have life uninterrupted uninterrupted. I'm not repositioned because of a hard moment. I'm not shaken because it doesn't look like it fits. Do you understand what's going to happen when you actually get this? When you have a revelation that you know what? There might be some costs involved. If I truly commit my life to God, and realize that his plan is to give me word that will change the direction, the trajectory of my life. He wants to, according to Romans 12, he wants to change the way you think. Right? I will not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by changing the way I think. See, the way we think is messed up because it, if, if you're a third chair guy, if, if you are a natural man, even the way, you see, the, the way you see your job, the way you see employment, you, the way you see a career, it's a proving ground. This is it's where I go to work, and I put forth the effort, and I see opportunity, and I seize them, and I elevate myself, and I become more and more powerful and more valuable based upon what I do, God or no God. Man, it's my brains, it's my effort, it's my time, and, 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 and I, I stay motivated because I will, my life is going to make a difference because I'm going to work hard. See, but, but a second chair guy, he, he, he looks at his job as this is the place where God's positioned me so he can bless me. Well, if I work hard, he'll put something on it, and it'll actually get more out of it than I would without him. He'll cause my effort to be multiplied, and he will allow me to provide for my family, and it'll be called the blessing of the Lord. And what's nuts is that that sounds right. But see, the first year guy, he realizes that where I am, the place I have, the position I have, obviously I need to be 100%. I pour myself into it. But I work for God. I'm called. It's a calling. And no matter what position I'm in, it's God's opportunity to touch the lives of others through me. It's what he's using to provide for me. He's the provider. I'm just 
an obedient son. I got to change the way I think. I got to change the way I think. Or I won't be where I could be. I'll be in a place I don't want to admit where I am. I'm not just talking about at work. I'm talking about at home. I'm talking about in every arena of life. God wants to pull back the curtains and let us see that the life he has for us, man, you know what? There's an area where we're doing great. You know, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, who are not driven by the desires of the flesh, but are led by the Spirit. And, and, and I'm going to tell you something, that the plan and the purpose that God has for you, the future that He's drawing you into, it's amazing. But there are some costs that you and I need to embrace in order to experience God's best for our lives, for our kids' lives, for the community that God's put us in. There's a, there, there, there has to be a willingness to say, you know what? I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to make a choice. I'm not going to be a compromised believer. I'm not going to live by comparison. I'm going to live by conviction. I'm going to let God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Interrupt the interruptions. I'm going to let God open my eyes to see what I've been unwilling to look at. Because I want to be stronger. I want to grow. Don't you want to grow? You want to grow spiritually? I want to grow. Well, God wants to grow us. So we have to be willing to let him. To let him speak. And when he speaks, it's not so we can listen. It's so we can do it. So we can do it. See, uh, obedience isn't a, isn't a, you know, a box you check off. It's, it's just an uh, unspoken assumption that this is how we relate with God. He speaks. I respond. He speaks, I respond. Put your entire trust in me. Okay, so I can't worry about the situation. No, can't worry about the situation. You got to put your entire trust in me. Okay, well, you're going to have to help me with that. I've been hoping you would ask me for help with that. Because I knew you were struggling there. I, I, I know you're struggling really trusting me because I see you trying to keep your hands all over it and, 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 I, and I want you to release it. I want you to trust me so that you can live the life you were meant to. The life you were meant to, if you remember, was one of hope and future and, and prosperity. The life that you are meant to live is a life positioned to win and succeed regardless of the situation. So I, I, I'm asking you now to begin to trust me and for you, and, and, okay, God, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to trust you. I want you to close your book and bow your head for just a minute. And some of us, even tonight, right now, the Holy Spirit is just nudging us just a little bit, saying, hey, I'm, I'm actually talking 
to you. And when God speaks, your role is to respond. When God speaks to you, you your role is to respond. See, when we respond to His truth, life change is inevitable. So while eyes are closed and heads are bowed and we're in this place tonight and God has been speaking, the Holy Spirit's been convicting and revelation is coming and you say, you know what, it's time for me to make a decision to move towards commitment. I'm certain that it might be in many, many different areas of our lives that where we recognize, I, I need to commit to you here. I need to trust you here. I need to obey you here. But we're all going to pray a simple prayer together. Some of us, it's the decision to stop living from the third chair where we are so complacent and so relaxed in a relationship with God that we don't have one. We need to move towards that. We need to accept the life that he offers us. Moving on you now, and you know it's time to respond. While nobody's looking around, I just want you to hold your hand up and say, Tom, this prayer, we're going to pray it tonight. I'm making it mine. This is going to be my prayer. I'm responding. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put them down. Anybody else? Yes, it's time for me. It's time to, to make a decision to do life God's way, no matter what it costs me. I might have to give up something that I'm hanging on to, but I know that anything that God's taken out of my hand is so he can get something better into my hand. So I'm making this prayer my prayer. It's awesome. I want everybody in this place, I just, I just want you to pray this with me. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know I need you. I need your love. I need your acceptance. I need your forgiveness. I need to be changed from the inside out. Use your word to change the way I think, which will change the way I feel, which will change the choices I make, which is going to change the way I act. God, I love you, and I want you to rule and reign in my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for freedom. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Come on, give God one more, one more victory praise. He's worthy.